Have you ever wondered what it's like to follow your passion? More specifically, have you ever wondered what it's like to work in the sport industry? I graduated in May 2019 and now I'm an assistant at college athletic event management and intramural coordinator. My life is now dedicated to providing opportunity through sports. I've decided to document my journey into becoming an athletic director. Along the way, I will share my insight, advice, and thoughts on working in sports. Join me on my journey. Good morning, and welcome back to the Sports is a Job podcast, the journey of the working sports professional. This is your host, Colby Castillo, and if this is your first time listening, don't worry. I welcome you in open arms, and welcome to the podcast. And so for today, I have a guest, my first guest today, a special guest. Um, this is an individual that I met through NURSA, which is the National Intramural National Intramural and Recreational Sports Association. I registered in their mentorship program, looking for a mentor that's that's working in recreation as, as well. And luckily, I was paired with this individual. She's a person that oversees 50-plus club sports, 15 intramural sports each year. And she's part of an industry that I think is very underrated. And I think a lot of people um, ignore when it comes to looking into where to work in the sports industry. And to give you a little stats, um, you know, there's nearly 11 million college students that use rec facilities operated by NURSA. Um, more than 1 million intramural contests are scheduled and more than 2 million participate in collegiate sports clubs. So if you're looking for an industry with a lot of action, um, there's a lot of people involved. I think you should really take a look at recreation. And so without further ado, I'm going to let her introduce herself so she could tell her she's going to let you know what's her name, what's her position and what she does. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Calhoun. I'm a coordinator for competitive sports at West Virginia University. So I work with both the intramural and the club sports programs here, um, working with the different leagues, the different clubs, with our student staff, things like that. I never expected to find myself in campus recreation. I kind of had an um, unconventional path getting here. I started off undergrad thinking that I wanted to go and work in politics. I was a political science and a women's studies major. I enjoyed the classes and got a lot out of them. I learned a lot, definitely don't regret it by any means, but didn't find that it was something that I wanted to continue doing with my life, but the way the political climate was shaking and the fact that there aren't uh, a ton of jobs within women's studies just didn't feel like the right fit for me, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do um, otherwise, since I'd spent so much time focusing on those things. And looking back over my time within college, I was trying to reflect on the things that uh, meant the most to me, the things that I would really enjoy, what I would miss when I was leaving, things like that. And what I kept coming back to was my experience with campus recreation, specifically the intramural and club sport programs. I worked as a student um, employee with those programs. I started off as an intramural sports official, officiating flag football, basketball, things like that, and eventually worked my way up to a program assistant. I just I was looking for a part-time job. I applied to a million places, and officiating was the first one I heard back from, so I gave it a shot, fell in love with it, enjoyed the programming aspect, working with students and coworkers, things like that. So uh, in, upon graduation, after determining I didn't want to do politics, decided that uh, campus recreation was the best, so I would give it a shot. I went and got a graduate assistantship, so working on my master's, but also working for the intramural sports program at Indiana University. Um, 
where I learned a lot of experience, uh, was able to get a good education, and have now eventually transitioned here to West Virginia work, University, where I'm working full time. So not something I ever expected to, to get into, but something that I can't get out of now. Uh, have definitely, definitely enjoyed the experience. Stephanie Calhoun's journey to where she is now was unconventional. After graduating with the Bachelor of Science in Political Science, she decided she wanted to go a different route. Learn about the thought process that she went through and hear her advice for anyone going through the same situation. It's never late to start. It's always too late to wait. So I know I know that you mentioned that, you know, you worked. So when you were talking about you worked as a student employee, was this while you were enrolled at University of Georgia? So you were working as a student? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was at okay. Georgia, I was working part time. Um, so I was officiating a couple days a week. I was working as a supervisor a couple days a week in the office, kind of helping with some of the admin kind of stuff. Um, so uh, doing that along with my classes. And I think that, you know, I think that's really important, especially for a student. I feel like you know, especially as a college student, you don't have really a lot of worries. So you might as well try, you know, different jobs and try figure out what exactly your passions are. And then I know you said, you know, we, you mentioned that you decided after four years of and then graduating with your bachelor's in political science. So what kind of what was like the thought process of, you know, when you finally found out, you know, you wanted to change your mind? Was it like a were you stressed out? Were you worried that it wasn't going to work out? Like, what was your thought process? Yeah, that? absolutely. So it wasn't actually until I had a conversation with one of our graduate assistants at the time. She, I, I was kind of talking to her about, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I don't want to do this, but I'm not sure what other options I have. And she was asking if it's something that I had ever considered going into uh, campus recreation as a professional working full time within the field. She was like, you're good at it. You enjoy it. It's you talk about how it's your favorite part of every day. You might as well give it a shot. And I told her that I hadn't in my mind. It was there was a very specific kind of person that did this type of job. You know, someone who was super um, into sports and very like there's within mm -hmm. campus rec and especially intramural sports there's a very official minded approach. And I, I enjoy officiating and good at it. But I think there's more than that. I like building relationships and things like that. And after a conversation with her, I realized that those people are important in this field too. And so I realized that I do have skills that would be worth um, contributing and uh, practicing and things like that. So I um, decided to give it a shot. It was really stressful, <laughs> like you mentioned, yeah, because yeah. I, I didn't know I was going to do this. I wasn't sure that I was fully prepared. But as I went through the process of looking for a graduate assistant position, I realized that a lot of the things that I had learned had more inherent skills than I necessarily noticed at first. You know, I just kind of thought mm -hmm. that I know the ins and outs of this program at uh, the University of Georgia that I uh, have learned a lot here. But what I didn't realize is the things that I was learning there have helped me every step of the way throughout this process. And so I, I'm really thankful that it took someone kind of opening that door for me, getting me to think about it, because otherwise I may not have. You might have not gone that route. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, I, I meet a lot of people here now working here. Um, a lot of student athletes here, they, they you know, they get stuck in a degree that they don't really want to do. And then they come out like their third or fourth year and they're like, oh, I, I want to work in sports. And I think your your story, you know, I, I remember listening to it the first time. It was, you know, it really catched my attention because it's like very interesting because you graduated four years after the fact and you decided to go a whole different route. And I think it's important for people who, you know, who think it's too late. Mm -hmm. um, there's always time and I think there's always time and it's it's never too late to really change your mind but then also I want you know it, it's important listening to your story it seems like 
you know, you really built a foundation when you were a student. And I think that's important too. I think, you know, you may change your mind, but it also it's important to really have a plan after you change your mind. You know, you have to have, you know, what are you going to do? How do you leverage your, leverage your experience? And I think you did a very good job because, mm-hmm. I mean, now you're in the position you are. Um, so what would your advice, what would your advice be for someone who, I mean, who was the same, who's in the same situation as you are, who decide to change their mind four years after the fact? Yeah, I think the first step would be trying to figure out where, what you want to do, which is a pretty big first step. But even if it's just a general direction, you know, it could start with, this is what I know I don't want to do. Okay. What's left. And then from there kind of figuring out an area of, Mm -hmm. of interest and then figuring out what skills you have that will help you with that? What experiences do you have that will help you with that? A lot of what I was learning in the classroom didn't feel inherently applicable or internships or different things like that that I'd done to campus recreation. But then after taking time, looking at my resume, making notes, finding experiences, things like that, I was able to find ways to make them feel applicable. And it's not that they weren't, it's not like I'm lying or twisting the truth Mm -hmm, or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's just not obvious. initially so you have to try to find ways to sell yourself and that was what was successful for me so my advice would be find ways to take the experiences that you already have and make them applicable to what you want to do in order to make the people that you would be working with see the value in those experiences that you are so really it's it's about how like how you word it and whatnot absolutely yeah yeah and just what you take away from it you know you may go into an experience and think okay, that was the result. But then looking at it later, whether it's a year later, six months later, a week later, whatever it is, you could see other lessons or other things that came out of that, other skills that you Mm -hmm. brought into it that you may not have recognized at first because you were looking at it from the lens of however you entered it. You know, when I was entering internships or uh, different temporary positions, things like that within political science, I was thinking about the impact that they had in political science. But then looking at those experiences when it comes to campus recreation, I'm seeing them in a different way. I see different ways Mm -hmm. that I'm collaborating or dealing with conflict or uh, meeting the need of uh, the constituent, things like that, that translate more to campus recreation than they do to political science. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, I think skills are, you know, they're universal as far as you said, as long as you you understand how you can apply it, I think you can make it work. Exactly, exactly. And just find a way to articulate it. Mm-hmm. This next part of our conversation, we'll be discussing what it's like for the day-to-day working in college recreation. We'll take a look at trends, we'll talk about leadership styles, and we'll give you a little insight into what it actually is like. Mm-hmm. And so you're at you're at West Virginia University, and obviously that's a way bigger university than I'm at, I'm at at the University of Minnesota Crookston. And I only have about probably about 800, 900 on campus students, so my intramural mm-hmm. offerings aren't as big as yours. So what's like the typical day for you? Because I mean, you oversee 50 plus club sports, as I said, and there's you guys put on 15 intramural sports each year. So what's like the typical day? I mean, if there is really a typical day, because I know, I mean every day is usually never the same. Right. <laughs> and that is mm-hmm. something that I enjoy about it, that every day is a surprise. I'll go in thinking that I'm going to be working on something and then something else will catch yeah, my yeah. eye or I get inspired by something else. And I, I like the variety, but I kind of, um, 
try to divide the things that I work on into thirds. So about a third of my job is working with intramural sports. A third of my job is working with club sports. And then a third of my job is working with our student staff. So I try to make sure that throughout the course of the week, I do uh, justice to each of those by working on them a certain amount. Um, as far as intramural sports goes, I could be working on things like creating um, leagues for the upcoming weeks or dealing with things, sports that already have going on, making sure game slots and equipment and um, participants have the things that they need, answering their questions, stuff like that. Um, club sports is uh, definitely the the area where I get more surprises because like you mentioned we have uh, over 50 clubs it creates for a lot of variety we have some super competitive clubs that um, need a lot more support and have more questions need more help things like that and then we have some super relaxed clubs where they don't compete as much uh, are more just an organized space where people can practice or enjoy the sport that they're into so and then we have everything in between so uh a good chunk of my day is working with them, helping them, supporting them, giving them what they need so they can go and be successful. And then a third of my day is working with our student staff. We have um, intramural and club sport supervisors as well as intramural officials. So working with them, um, trying to give them feedback, going back to some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, working on their transferable skills, helping them mm -hmm. um, with different things that'll take them uh, to be successful, not only on shift, but outside of um the workspace as well, whatever, with whatever they want to do next. So that's uh, the main stuff of my day. Um, and, and it's just kind of a variety based on like the need, what's going on. Do we have yeah. events coming up? Do clubs have certain things coming up? Do we have um, staff that are needing assistance, stuff like that? I like that. I like that you mentioned how you help, you try, you know, you, you try to help your teacher, student workers about these transferable skills, Absolutely. Um, especially for me, you know, there was people who, and even my own journey that, you know, that did the same thing for me. And sometimes now as, as in the position I am, I feel like I have the same need to really, you know, to give them the same favor and help them out. I, I'm sure that having that conversation with the individual who helped change your mind, I, I'm pretty sure you have her in mind when you're helping other students out. Um, but one thing I really did notice working with a lot of student workers, um, it's, it's different. You know, some, mm -hmm. some are in it to do, you know, to get the experience to work in recreation and then some are just to work the job because it's a fun job. Mm -hmm. So I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you split the difference? How do you motivate each, uh, each different student employee different? Like what's, how do you approach each one differently? Yeah. For me, it just really comes with the first step is getting to know them. Like you said, they, if people, different people have different intentions. So for some people, it's just a paycheck. For some people, they realize the inherent value in it. Some people are trying to decide if this is something that they want to do. So finding out, what motivates them initially helped me to motivate them, um, getting to know mm -hmm. them, figuring out what those goals are, and then learning where those gaps. So finding out their strengths, finding out their weaknesses, what um, can they help with? What do they need support with? What do they do really well? Those types of things. And it just comes from conversation, getting to know them, being around them. So I try to be intentional with my time where I'm spending um, uh, I get to try to see everybody every night. So I'll look at the schedule ahead of time and see, okay, uh, Larry's working this day. Jordan's working this day. I'll have to come both so I can see them both this week because if they see that I'm investing in them, they're going to be more yeah. willing to invest in the job, which ends up helping me. It's And I don't mean that in like a, um, a spiteful way or like a malicious way. I, I want them to be able to get as much as they can, but it also helps our program. When they see that yeah. I care about them, that I'm interested in them, that I'm willing to motivate them based on where their interests lie, then they're more willing to devote back to the program, which then ultimately helps the participants. So it's a really good, good cycle. And I, I, I think, you know, thinking about that, how you said, you know, it's an investment in them and really that 
it's a return of investment into the actual mm-hmm. program. I, I want to take it back a little bit. Well, maybe we'll go back all the way to the beginning. And for me personally, you know, I really chose to come back to the University of Minnesota Crookston and work here because I was very familiar with the staff here. And, you know, they offered to help pay. You know, they were talking about I can come here, work full time, and they're going to be really flexible because I'll be doing my master's degree. And so really, they, I, I, I could tell from the beginning that they were interested in my own professional development. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can kind of see like how, you know, as I develop professionally and as I gain more knowledge, it's, it's going back into the athletic department here. So really, I wanted to ask you, you know, why did you choose to work at West, West Virginia University? Yeah, so this, um, this program is really one that is looking to grow and they're, they, they want to move forward. And that's something that was really attractive to me that I wanted to be a part of. Um, there's a lot of um, flexibility in my position to be able to say, hey, this is an idea I think we should try. They say, go with, it. go for it. Good luck. Or I'll say, hey, this is something that we've been doing for a while, but I'm not positive that it's working. And they're like, okay, scrap it. We'll try something else. And so that isn't something that you get at a lot of places. Um, a lot of folks are, are doing really great things, but kind of stuck in their ways. Um, and so West Virginia was super attractive to me to be able to um, get to try new things, get to uh, experiment, to, to learn mm-hmm. and grow. And then going back to what you were saying, they um, showed a genuine interest in being able to develop me professionally. This isn't something uh, somewhere that I'm going to stay forever. I'd like to continue to advance in the field, move up, try um, living and working in different places. And that's something that West Virginia knows, and they're okay with that. In fact, they don't, yeah. they don't want me to stay here forever. And so they're being very intentional with me as a professional and making sure that I get different experiences. So when I do decide, okay, I'm ready to go somewhere else, I'm prepared for that. Um, so the fact that they are as interested in the success of the program as they are in my success is something that... Um, makes me want to perform better and it makes me feel more comfortable. I feel like I'm being honest and I'm being myself and that they're going to get the best out of me because of that. And I think that's very important if you know, if you don't like, if you're not comfortable where you, where you work or you don't think it's, they're investing in, in you and whatnot. I don't think you, you know, you don't do, you don't do as good of a job. And mm-hmm. I, so I know you mentioned that, you know, they West Virginia is really growing. So do you guys keep up with trends? I know here, it seems like one of the things here, it seems like a lot of the traditional sports here doesn't work anymore. Like, uh, you know, people aren't into just regular five and five basketball. Right. Um, I had to do a three on three basketball game. But then also it was like it was kind of interesting because, you know, people are into this outside of the traditional things. And I had Cam Jam, which is basically a Frisbee that you throw into into this can and you score points. Right. But then when I put it out, people are like, you know, they're intimidated by the fact they don't even know what it is. So they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to participate. So, like, what are the things you guys put on as outside of traditional sports? You know, what's your thoughts about it? And then, like, how? what is the process for you guys, you know, getting people to participate in that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's definitely a difference. We're kind of at a point um, in time where the generation of students that are currently enrolled in college grew up playing the traditional sports. They were on travel softball teams and Mm -hmm. played basketball year round. You know, they were experts in their positions within football, things like that. And so they're kind of burnt out of it. You know, they're the the most students that participate in our intramural sports um, are athletes, things like that. They, within the university, they, they just want to play for fun, but they, they're, they've played those other sports forever. So they want to try new things. But like you were saying, it's intimidating when it's something that you don't know. So we're trying to find ways to incorporate what they already know in sports 
in a new way. So similar to what you were saying, like three on three basketball rather than the traditional five on five, or we'll have um, a knockout tournament, the basketball game where you're trying to get the person who's in line in front of you out by making a shot before they do. Um, We'll have different days where we have just um, like tailgate games, like you're saying can jam or uh, bags, cornhole, um, spike ball, things like that, that are already familiar to them, but it's different than what they're used to. They're burned out on basketball. So what's a way that we can do basketball? that they already know, but in a different way. So that's definitely something um, like a trend that we're trying to pay attention to and then just get a lot of feedback, see how people like it, what they don't. Um, Something else that we're also noticing is that um, students uh, are extremely busy and they have a lot of commitments. Uh, It's getting really competitive to find jobs and things like that. So Mm -hmm. they try to be as involved as possible. And so being in these super long um, week-long leagues that you would traditionally see for intramural sports isn't something that's attractive to them. They want to um, have shorter commitments, so we're trying more one-day tournaments or just weekend tournaments, um, shorter leagues, things like that, so they can still get that experience, the stress relief, the community building, exercise, things like that, but at a smaller level than um, some of the other. I think that's what we're we're moving towards, or I'm moving towards here doing here is more of the uh, one-day special events where it's a during a time that everyone can participate and everyone's because lately I've seen, there's a lot of the teams who've, who've had to cancel for it because they got, you know, outside engagements, whether or not be study group or a part-time job elsewhere. And it seems like, it seems like more students are more busy each day. So it's just kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's their interest in. It's, I think it's a very interesting process. You know, this is, I think it's been fun, especially programming in the murals, you know, it's kind of diving into like, human psychology and like it's a bunch of different combinations it's like what are they interested in you know how can i get it market it to them how can i teach them about it and then like um like one of my favorite things have been doing the outside outside norm stuff like can jam and spike ball because it it's cool because once you teach them how to play it they're like dude this is the best thing the best game ever and that's that's always the best feeling whenever they they act like that and then uh, one of the I think one of the things, especially with this generation or, you know, the younger generation, it's all about participation. You know, it's like, as you mentioned, it, people don't want to be competitive and it's not. Well, maybe they don't want to be competitive, but they're they're less into that and they just mm-hmm. want to have fun. Um, so how do you guys have you guys changed your rules or policies to really adopt, you know, being more inclusive for everybody? Yeah, so we definitely have with um, some of our different leagues and offerings. So, for example, we have um, for our major sports, so the sports that do go longer, uh, aimed at people who who really do love it. You know, they they grew up playing basketball. They're not totally burnt out, but they don't want to do it all the time. They're willing to play in a five-week league. We'll have a competitive Mm -hmm. league or a recreational league that you can sign up for. So if you think, you know, that you want to have the best team that's possible, you think your team is really good, you would sign up for the competitive league. But if you just want to try the sport, give it a shot, enjoy the day with your friends, then you would sign up for the recreational league. So that's something that we're doing. Um, for some of our sports, we have open leagues. So instead of having a certain gender ratio, you can have anyone participate. And that's definitely helped with team numbers as well. Instead of having, you know, for, for flag football, uh, four guys and four girls on the field. If you only have um, one guy and you have uh, uh, the rest of the team composed of girls, that's okay. Because we just want them to be able to participate. So that's something that I think has definitely helped. Um, and then we uh, have certain co-rec rules for some of our sports in a way to try to get uh, females involved 
for example, in flag football, every few plays, like a female has to be involved so they aren't just lost on the field, a wasted experience, wasted time. Um, it still makes it feel a little more meaningful for them. So that's stuff that we're doing to try to engage mm -hmm. the folks who may want to participate but don't necessarily have the best means to do so or um, may not inherently be easy for them to participate. And I think, I think, you know, there's a saying you can't satisfy everybody, but as far as, you know, your job and my job, I feel like that's part of our duty. You know, that's our job responsibility is to try to get everyone involved. So if we can do like how you said, you're putting on these different leads for people who are not as competitive. You're putting on for males, females, and you're really trying to include everybody. And then like, just to let everybody know, I do, I go to Stephanie and I ask <laughs> her a lot of questions. So I do have one, cause you mentioned that we're talking about being more inclusive right. and and really trying to um, bring everyone together. So in my situation, as I said earlier, um, I go to a university where we only have about 800, 900 on-campus on campus students. And then my, you know, intramural numbers aren't really that good. So how do I, as far as, you know, getting everyone involved, getting the person who is competitive mm -hmm. and getting the person is, who's less competitive, how do I put on an example, put on a basketball lead that can, you know, attract both of them because I don't have the numbers to put on a open lead, um, a competitive lead, and then like a co-ed team because mm -hmm. I just don't have enough people to do that. So what would your what would your approach to to, to doing that if you were in my situation? Yeah. The first thing I would do is try to remove as many barriers to participation as you can. Like say, for example, if you're the way you're uh, program is set up that people have to bring their own equipment. You know, you can't play if you don't have your own basketball or you don't have your own jerseys. That's really a barrier to people who are just wanting to give it a try. They want the more recreational mm -hmm. approach. So if you're um, removing those where it's, we provide you the equipment that you need, you know, like stuff like that, then it makes it a little easier. You know, if say you have um, a really strict uh, check-in policy or ID policy, if you're making it where it's easier, you know, you could use any form of ID or something like that, that makes it um, a little more accessible for those folks who want the more recreational experience. So that's the first thing I do. And then um, similar with uh, like rules and things like that, making it super accessible, but maybe you post the rules online so people can study ahead of time or glance mm -hmm. at it if they don't have that experience. It's not something you just have to come intuitively and know you have your officials in the captain's meeting, talk about some of the stuff that they may not be familiar with, give them the opportunity to ask questions rather than just, okay, here we go, let's get started. Because that's stuff that feels easy to us who are around sports all the time. But like you said, if somebody just wants to come and just try it for the first time or just have a really recreational experience, that's not necessarily the most inviting um, approach. Yeah. It wouldn't make them be a, a return user. So you're trying to make them as comfortable and give them as much knowledge as yeah, possible. Yeah, just remove, remove the barriers. If there are things that you think, mm -hmm. okay, that may take some planning or prior knowledge or um, a little more effort, then what are ways that we can minimize that? It's it's impossible to get it all. You know, you're not going to teach someone the whole game of basketball right before you get started. But, you know, maybe you have um, a, a couple minutes before the game where the officials talk to them about, like, what to expect, how to check in, where you know, stuff like that. Um, make yeah, it feel yeah. a little more intuitive the the competitive users aren't won't mind you know that's not going to take away from their experience they want to play mm -hmm. and they're going to do what they need to in order to but removing those barriers for the recreational users i think is a good way to yeah. start i should start start assuming they know everything and just <laughs> and make sure they do actually you know inform them about everything. right right and so with the last the very last thing and i think it's a very big topic and it's something that i tried doing this year 
is um, it involves esports. Mm-hmm. So what's what is West Virginia University doing with esports? You know, what is your personal opinion about esports? And yeah. Yeah. So um, I believe that esports are a fantastic way to get people involved, especially in campus recreation. I think it would be uh, naive of us to say that everyone enjoys recreation and gets gets a lot out of it in the same way. You know that it's yeah. not true. So that's why we have group fitness classes. We have personal training. We have intramural sports. We have recreation or uh, like informal recreation. And I think esports kind of falls into that. It's definitely a good segue to kind of get people introduced to the program to be able to say, yes, we're willing to offer this to you. Because from what um, my experience I've seen is once you give somebody one thing, they're more likely to go try other things. If someone comes and has a really great experience with esports, they're more likely to go and say, okay, maybe I will just come and play drop-in basketball. Or maybe I will use this space to um, go for a jog. And then suddenly, you know, they're a return user. And even if they aren't, I think it's our job as campus recreation professionals, professionals to help provide opportunities and a sense of community to different people across campus so that's an avenue to do that um, here at West Virginia we're not currently um, doing anything right now but it's something that with esports but it's something we're looking into there is an esports organization on campus and we've partnered with them in the past for different events but they're not their club is not associated with our um, our club sport federation mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. but it's something that we would like to continue with that partnership um, why do you think why do you think um you guys haven't pulled the trigger why why do you think you guys haven't um really taken them under you know recreation just yeah. yet so prior to my um arrival it was a conversation that was started with the federation executive board and i think that they were um just because their form of sport looks very different than some of the more traditional ones they didn't fully understand it and so yeah. that's something that um is one of my goals to have more intentional conversations with them about Mm -hmm. the importance of it, you know, explaining all the stuff that I was just talking to you about, about how it's still a community. It's still um, engaging in, in sport and things like that. And just educating them until you hear that stuff initially, there's, you know, you're not going to know it. It's not like something you just wake up and you're like, I understand why esports is important. So, you know, so just having the conversations with them about the importance of it and showing them the value is something that I think would be helpful because it's, um, it seems like that's not something that was done in the past. Yeah. And I think like, it's, it seems like it's the same, you know, the same theme, you know, if they're, they aren't educated about it, if they're not comfortable about it, they're going to be intimidated and not going to want to exactly. do it. Exactly. Yeah. And all of their, um, the administration here, the staff here are super on board with it. They want this to be a relationship that we form, something we start, maybe even moving toward intramural uh, esports, gaming, things like that. Um, so it's not like uh, our program is inherently against it. It's just something that um, has taken some some educating and some learning about. So how about how about you and your person? Do you play any video games in your free time? Then? <laughs> I do not. Uh, I, I no. definitely want to learn, and I'm hoping that this would be a good a good chance for me to get to do that learning from the the club that we have on campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I think I'll end it with the last question, okay. and you might not know, uh, might not remember on top of your head, but what is what is a quote that you you always refer to or you remember, like, what is your favorite quote? Mm, yeah, uh, it's uh, by Kid President, <laughs> which is, I think is kind of funny, but it's be somebody who makes everyone feel like a somebody. Um, and so what that means to me is just be the kind of person that sees the value in other people and treats them like they are valued. 
So it's an approach that I try to take um, with everyone, but especially with our student staff. You know, when they come to me with a concern, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen rather than just letting them uh, go on or brushing them off. When I have um, coworkers who come and try to talk to me about things, I'm going to listen and feel val- make them feel valued. So uh, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Yeah. I like that. I think a lot of times um, the leadership style of being isolated from your workers and not really talking to them, you know, I think that's a very um, – that's in the past. And I think today, you know, we want leaders who, who care about the workers, who interact with the workers, who show that, you know, they have a personal interest in their own life. And I think that's the, and I appreciate that you're, you're doing that and you're treating people like that. And so I, I just want to say thank you for doing this. You know, as I said, you're the first guest (laughs) and I appreciate, you know, I think a lot of people will take a lot of good information away from this and, you know, recreation, college recreation, it's an ignored, I said, it's an ignored field in the sports industry. And I think a lot of people, if they got into it, they would find it's very interesting. I mean, you build relationships on the daily. Um, you're doing fun things as far as programming for students. And so what to, the last question is, what kind of person do you think um, is the most successful in, in recreation? Or do you think anybody can be successful working in recreation? I really do uh, truly feel like there is a place for everyone. Like I um, kind of talked about when I was talking about my story at the beginning that I was intimidated by it because I'm like, no, that's not the kind of person that I'm not the kind of person that gets involved in this kind of stuff. And it took someone showing me that everyone has different roles um, to, for me to want to be involved. And I think mm-hmm. that it's all about having a great team. So I know like here at West Virginia, we're intentional with trying to find people that feel fill different gaps, but that means that we need different kinds of people. So everyone can kind of find your spot, whether you're a relationship person, you're a policy person, you're very organized or you're more go with the flow. Like all of those different things have a place here um, and, and things that I didn't mention. So I think it's, it's definitely something that everyone can find their place in, but it's, works out better if you're passionate about it. So if you're excited about it, if you want to be involved, if the, the people that are doing it just because uh, it feels like the only option aren't necessarily going to be as successful as the people that are happy and energized, excited about it. So I think any type of person can, as long as it's something that they're, they're interested and passionate about. All right. Well, and then I know you're a University of Georgia fan. <laughs> so do you think the University of Georgia football team is going to win the national championship? Oh, I, I think we definitely have a shot. The first step <laughs> is getting past LSU this weekend. But after that, I, I, I think it'll be a, an easy, easy stretch. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you, Stephanie, for joining, joining the podcast. And everybody listening, I thank you again. Be on the lookout for episode four. I always appreciate everyone taking the time out of the day to listening to this. I think you'll find very good information. And without further ado, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Kobe. Don't leave just yet. I lied. It's not good night. Um, I told you I'm on all social media. So I, if you are listening, you know, give me a follow. I'm on Instagram. Look me up, Sports as a Job. I'm on Facebook. My actually, it, my at username is Sports as a Job, but the Facebook page is Story to Tell. So give me a like and a follow on there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Look me up, Colby Castillo, K O L B Y. Last name is C A S T I L L O. And most recently, uh, I actually expanded to TikTok. Um, I create some content, you know, it's more of the day to day, you'll see more of the day to day things that I do. And then just some funny videos that have spread a good message. But I hope you listen into the next episode and it's been good. Thank you guys.